What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is Teaching to the Creed, Module 1.0, Advocacy and Trust. I've split this into two podcasts where I've been doing leadership and tradition separately. Uh, This one's with BMC Jason Thompson. Uh, His name is familiar because he's been on before. So if you want to learn more about him, go back to episode 52 or 58 and check those out. He immediately was the person that I thought about when it was time to record this episode. I'm really glad I did. Uh, I'm really happy with what we came up with, uh, and, and I think you will get a lot out of it. But I'm going to go through the front matter for this lesson first. So upon completion of this block of instruction, the student will have a clear understanding of the necessity of leadership in a dynamic environment, understand advocacy of the traditions of the Navy Chief Petty Officer leadership and trust behaviors within the organization. The student will be equipped with skills necessary to apply and adapt to the diverse environments at different command levels and determine its relationship within the Chief Petty Officer's creed. Objectives, discuss and analyze trust as it relates to the CPO creed, analyze and discuss the relationship of advocacy, tradition, and trust and how it relates to chief petty officers in leading juniors, peers, and senior personnel. Discuss the evolution of change in initiation and the charge book as it pertains to being a chief petty officer. And discuss how to develop trust in the mess. The curriculum development references are laying the keel May 2019 and Navy Leader Development Framework version 3.0 also May 2019. And with that, uh, here we go. So to quickly recap the objectives, so we're going to discuss and analyze trust as it relates to the creed. Uh, We will talk about advocacy as well. I split these lessons up, as I mentioned in the intro, about uh, where we're going to do advocacy and trust. And then I'm going to do uh, leadership and tradition separately, just because I think they need that much time. Uh, And then we'll talk about uh, the evolution and change of initiation and the charge book, especially as it pertains to the chief, and then how to develop trust in the mess. So, okay. Warrior Toughness video. So we both watched it. Uh, that'll be something that the group will watch when they do do the teaching the creed training. But I'm going to read the Mick Pond Smith quote in regards to Warrior Toughness. So I'd like to first congratulate you on being selected as Chief Petty Officer. Throughout this video, we will sensitize you a little bit to what we call Warrior Toughness and what that program means and what we expect out of you and your role uh, in it as you begin to shepherd sailors who have come through RTC and been exposed to Warrior Toughness pilot program. So, like, based on the video and, and what you saw in it, what did you think about the Warrior Toughness thing? Making the mind-body-soul connection, I think, is... Man, it's tough. Uh, I like it. I like resiliency. Yeah. I, like, I like grit. I like fortitude. I don't know if, if, if it needs to be there. I'm not the expert when it comes to where it's placed. I love right. the idea of, of connecting all these elements about, about who we really are, but also there's more of a, a metaphysical approach here when I would really trade that for somebody who does maintenance properly. Um, okay. If, if I, if I'm being real, like, uh, yeah. Um, we, we can talk about these things and they're definitely important to have, you know, real discussions about, but at the end of it all, I'm still left wanting. It's like, oh, this is this is a wonderful concept. It's very samurai, um, and I dig that from a philosophical yeah. standpoint. But from a practical standpoint, this is not the stuff that is often taught on the decks. You know, this is this is learned behavior. It's something yeah. that's instilled over time, and it's something that, as chiefs, you know, we we know that there's no moment where we're going to spike the ball because we've just won the homecoming game. You know, right? 
it's an it's an ongoing conversation that we have to have. But I'm probably going to have 10 minutes, 15 minutes out of my day dedicated to warrior toughness and another three hours dedicated to proper maintenance. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what it's in, how it's intended is like they, they said they, they wanted to start building the foundation there and then eventually expand it out into the fleet and whatever, you know, it or whatever version that's going to look like. like. I don't know how they plan on applying it when it expands out to like the rest of the initial accession training pipeline and then to the fleet. But I think that the intent is by the time they get to the fleet, they they're just equipped with these tools to help them be more resilient. And that hopefully at some point, I don't know when they plan on downloading, downloading this stuff in a leadership, but they train us to at least understand what's happening. Kind of like they mentioned in the video, like, like when that sailor pauses for a second and closes their eyes, just give them that second yes. kind of thing. It's like, so at least train us to understand what they're doing and like, like the two tools that they're they're uh, equipped with and that they're uh, applying. It's like, I kind of need to know that in order to allow that to happen and be a good steward of the program, I need to understand what they're taught. But yeah, I mean, I like, I, I liked it a lot because it felt like the first in earnest attempt at addressing mental health issues that I see in junior sailors in the fleet proactively. Like yeah. That was it was the first like meaningful thing that I was just like that. I like, like now that, now that I will agree with, I, I think yeah. that it's a wonderful approach. You know, you're bringing in the, the spiritual with the, with the chaplain there and, and the, the, the emotional and the mental with the psychologist. And then, you know, various seals uh, along the way right. to reinforce different types of toughness as we develop, you know, what they call the, the whole person concept, which I absolutely value as a human being. And I've right. long maintained that we have to take care of the sailor wearing the uniform before we take care of the uniform itself. Right. I love this. I think it's a wonderful concept. It's a great idea. I, um, I think I'm I know what you're hung up on, man. Cause like me and Paul are talking, I recorded uh influence and honesty earlier with Paul and, it, he was saying that like, so he did a uh, podcast recently on Cutlass where he was talking about sleep uh, with an expert that studies it and why just all the things about why crew rest is important and how to structure like watch rotations and all these things to protect rest because rest leads to a sailor that's focused on watch. that's making the right decisions. that's doing maintenance properly, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of like we even backed it up further to be like, well, why are sailors like starved for sleep all the time and it's generally related to manning right and it's kind of what you're saying is like i just want a sailor that is that can do maintenance and i want more of them (laughs) so that when i have more of them a lot of the stressors that lead to sailors having issues go away when i have proper manning and properly trained sailors that are equipped to do those things and and when i have enough manning i have enough time for those sailors to be well rested to be focused on the mission blah 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 so it's like I, I think I get what you're like, what you're hung yeah. up on, where it's like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I like this, but it it almost feels like there's an underpinning of do more with less. You know what I mean? Like, well, OK, that's I, that's exactly where I wanted to go with this. OK, since since we've been having those conversations about doing more with less and about ships being manned at X below, you know, Y number that's required and so yeah. are forced to stay up later and do more and, and apply more they often throw these high-minded concepts around when really it's just, hey, it's a tough sell to get people in the military these days. Right, right. 
So we're having to do more with less. So we have to come up with, again, high-minded concepts. That's not to say that they're poor ideas, to be right. clear. Right. Warrior toughness is a fine idea. But yeah. they're doing all these things to increase our resilience because – we're burnt the hell out. Right. We're getting beat down. Yeah. No, I you got, agree. You got 30 with 31 year old chiefs, you know, who, who have reached uh, a certain level of institutional and technical expertise who look like they're 45, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. they're, they're surviving off of way too much coffee and way too much nicotine. And they're, they're getting three hours of sleep a night. And, you know, you and I have both served with guys, even when we were junior sailors, you know, we all knew that senior chief who looked like he was Bro, carrying a hundred yeah. pounds of groceries under I, each eye. How, how I aged as gracefully as I did, I will never understand. But like health wise, obviously I've had some issues. So it's like, I was talking to my CMC about it, about whether I retire or if they tell me I can still submarine, like, am I going to go be a cop? And it's like, I'm, I'm Mark Wahlberg from the movie shooter. Like, Hey, when the mm -hmm. uncle Sam comes calling, I sit up straight and say, which way do you want me to go boss? You know, like, like I'm gonna, I, like if I'm medically cleared, I'm going to do it. But sure. it's like, I, it's how wise is that? Like, is it, did I get cancer because I was barely sleeping for over a decade? Did I, did mm. I get cancer because I was impossibly stressed out? Did I get cancer mm. because, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, and no, neither do my incredible doctors, you know? Like, so it's, so it's, it's impossible to answer that question, but it, it, it's, it's like a splinter in my mind, slowly driving me insane where it's like, I'm thinking about those things. Like, is it, it wise or should I just call it a day mm -hmm. and move on and, and, oh, and help what, from what, the sidelines, you know, like fascinating to me is that sleep deprivation is literally built into the training cycle. Uh, for for amphibious and surface warfare ships, it's literally built in. To what the do you schedule. mean? Otherwise, okay. So, for example, if you're getting underway for in serve, mm -hmm. uh, for your for your final underway inspection, you're underway at zero four hundred, and you don't pull back in until twenty two, sometimes twenty three hundred. Yeah, that's a full day. And if you're in deck department, Yikes. that's 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 a, I mean that that's your day. It's literally built into the cycle. And if you're doing the amphibious uh, warfare uh, portion of InServe, um, there's a, they literally call it Hell Week, um, where yeah. you're doing you're doing well deck operations for a week straight. Um, oh, and I can tell you firsthand that I I mean I passed out in a gear locker, bro, um, because I, I was able. Yeah. I've never felt less safe than I did during an InServe on a submarine. Like I was standing watch in the control room as chief of the watch and i thought i was gonna die i was positive mm -hmm. i was gonna die i was like there was so much high risk dangerous stuff going on and it was like the chief of the watch is the belly button for everything going on and it's yeah, just like i had people bringing me tags i had like in-service inspectors coming up asking me questions i'm about to surface the ship with high pressure air like i'm like mm -hmm. i was i've never said go away I mean, I said it a lot more colorfully, but I've never said go away to more senior people in my entire. I'm just like, get away from me. Don't say a single word to me. If you need something, go through my office to the deck. Get out. Like, I just like I was so overwhelmed with inputs that it was like yeah. I, I and it's like 
everything felt unsafe. And I'm just like, I, I purposely slowed things down and did the best I could to keep my hands around everything so that I'm like, nope, we're doing this one thing at a time, one foot in front of the other. Like, you know, we're going to brief this. We're going to certify the team and then we're going to slowly go through and do it and then like go hot wash everything at the end. But I like and they just had this timeline and they were constantly pushing this timeline, timeline, timeline. I'm like, I'm not killing sailors because you have a timeline on a spreadsheet like it. I was terrified during insert, man. And the other thing that bothers me, too, is that those timelines are our own creation. Right. I should. Yeah. Like this is. We're we're victims of our own creations. It's like, exactly. I, what are we doing? We're shooting ourselves in the foot, right? Like, wh- why are we doing this to ourselves? This is yeah. our own timeline. We can accelerate or slow this timeline down as we see fit. It's yeah. our timeline. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Right. And then, as a result of that, we have to create things like Warrior Toughness. I feel that, um, as well intentioned as the Warrior Toughness program is, and as helpful as I'm certain it's going to be. Yeah. It seems as if it's a byproduct of the fact that our sailors still aren't getting proper amount of rest. Yeah. And I, I wonder if I wonder if that was discussed is kind of like, look, the Navy recruiting command is doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. And here we are. So Manning is yeah. like like their fight. It's not like those. I, I follow a ton of recruiters on Instagram and it's sure. like. They're getting after it on Instagram, man. They're doing everything they can to try to get people in the Navy. So I, I don't doubt for a second that they're they're leveraging every resource they have to try to address the Manning piece. But it's like, uh, here we are. And he, they probably have projections on here's where we're going to be in a year, two years, five years. So what can we do about it? You know, I, I would hope that that was part of the conversation because I think we kind of like get frustrated, like get me more like trained sailors like get me more people that can do this job this job and this job underway on nuclear power on a submarine and it's like Mm -hmm. think about what you're asking for like that's a really specialized thing it requires a like year of training or more in some cases uh and then they have to volunteer for submarine service after they volunteer for military service so it's like i jesus like yeah of course it's hard and like i i remember standing in front of a school classes talking especially when enlisted women on submarines started like that program was being rolled out i was standing in front of the class like hey i can walk you through filling out this application package and we had probably i would say on average 50 to 60 percent female population of like makeup of the class right so there's a i had a lot of female students and so we would say like i would go in front of the class and i talked to every single class as part of indoc as sel and i was like hey enlisted women on submarines who's in you might get one per class that was crazy enough to raise their hand. Like, and it was, you would just, everybody was like, Nope, I don't want anything to do with submarines. That sounds terrible. And I would like talk it up. And I was like, and the way that I would present it, all the guys were in, man, they were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. How do I get on submarines? Cause it's hard. (laughs) It's tough. Like, steel boats iron men let's go like that yeah sure sure but the uh, the ladies were like nope like it takes a special kind of person to do that job and um because even a lot of the dudes were like nah i'm good bro like i'm gonna gonna go do the surface ship thing but like the um, also also i'm six five man yeah no i know yeah um but yeah like but there there was once in a while i'd get i'd get a female student that was super interested but they 
when you, when I as soon as I met them and started talking to them, I'm like, yeah, you're you're a submariner. Like you're like it's just a personality Dude. thing. We're cut from a different cloth. Like, I'm like, yeah, you'll fit right in. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's like you're it's tough. It's tough to get people to volunteer for that kind of stuff and then train them and blah 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 blah. blah. So like, yeah, it's a tough sell. You know, it's, yeah, it's definitely a tough sell for sure. But yeah, I mean, going back to the concept in and of itself, I think this is a wonderful concept. Um, I do too. Yeah. If if we're going to we're going to take sailors who perhaps did not come from a background where resiliency and mental fortitude was um, taught to them as children or as, as, as adolescents. OK, then we're going to take on that mantle, too. OK, yeah, we're going to do yeah. some 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 late late age parenting. All right, Roger. That. Yeah, got it. I, th- I think there's a large percentage of modern recruits that haven't faced real adversity in their life like they probably think they faced adversity but like you know what i mean like the really like i know guys that lived in cars before they joined the navy so it's like yeah i there there are sailors that come into the military with a full in-depth understanding of what adversity in life means and kind of how to how to address that and and they're resilient in ways that other sailors aren't i think there's probably a, like a, a decent amount at least i like i don't want to i don't want to make broad sweeping generalizations about large groups of people i hate that but like the i think there's probably a significant enough chunk that a trend is forming where they're like oh okay yeah, we probably need to address this in that kind of a way because if you've never yeah and it's like between one and 18 if you are in a you know, anywhere near a fluent family and, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you got two parents or one really incredible parent and a support structure or whatever. It's like, you're, um, how much adversity are you going to face? Like, like there's a lot of people that just are fortunate and it's not a bad thing, but it's like, if you've never faced that, the type of adversity that you will undoubtedly be faced with in any branch of the military, it's like, especially as junior enlisted, cause good God, I mean, junior officers get it, get it pretty get pretty rough at least on submarines um but yeah it's I, I, just yeah yeah I, I believe you i can't testify that but i am absolutely going to take your word for this yeah i don't I, like i don't know what it's like for jos on surf ships and stuff but junior officers on submarines good god like i don't know how any of them stay in the navy i i really it's it I blows my mind some- some ensigns and some some jgs who i i have felt sorry for <laughs> after yeah after they you know they they get torn apart by the departmental lcpo and then they have yeah. to make that long hard walk with their head down to the executive officer's office <laughs> and they leave there looking Brutal. like you know like he just snatched their soul like yeah. Shang Tsung in mortal combat out of their, <laughs> their physical being it's amazing yeah, it's brutal um so as i'm looking at this and i'm diving more into what they call the big four Mm-hmm. These are all fantastic things. And I yeah. like that we're teaching this at an early age. Yeah. Um, and I say early, I understand that we have some uh, sailors who are entering boot camp who, who right are in their thirties or right, something. Yeah. Right. But they're young as sailors. We'll just, say right. That. So we're talking about goal setting and performance objectives. Um, and I mean, and that's just boot camp right there. I mean, that's basic boot camp stuff, goal setting. Okay. Yeah. But then we get into some other stuff that I think creates a, a better self-awareness and that is um, self-talk positive self-talk visualization and the the mental rehearsal which i think is huge and i have to be very honest with you i i lack that to a certain degree yeah uh, in my life i need to be better about the um i'm good at visualizing but the mental rehearsal aspect of it is something that i only really started doing as a first class especially especially like in deck department because that mental rehearsal comes into play when 
okay, if there's a man overboard, here's what we have to do. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of high stakes evolutions. And so that mental rehearsal became something that I had to do more frequently. I'm getting better at it because uh, I have to be better at it, but it's something that now I'm glad they're incorporating that. I think that's a great skill to have. But the last one I think is, is fascinating. Energy management using physiological stimuli to influence the mind. I see. Energy management using physiological stimuli. That's a great, wh whoever workshop that, workshop that did a fantastic job because what that means is we are going to shock your system into staying awake and alert and we are going to give you more adrenaline than your body's ever handled before <laughs> and you're going to suck it up and you're going to keep going because we know how to make you do things that you didn't know you could do. That is both a good and a bad thing. Right, um, right. Not everybody who goes to boot camp is going to be a SEAL. Right. Not everybody who goes to a ship of any kind is going to see combat of any kind. Right. Now, granted, we are the armed forces. This is exactly what we have to prepare for. I just love the wording, and I want to yeah. comment on that. I think the energy management <laughs> using physiological stimuli. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. Okay. All right. I like that. That's very yeah, clever. That's very it. clever. Yeah. Oh, you 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 haven't slept in thirty six hours. Okay. Well, now we're gonna go to GQ and uh, physiological stimuli. Because, yeah. If it's your physiological stimuli, enjoy that. Oh, yeah. oh, you just got done with GQ, and now little Timmy from the fire room fell asleep in a gear locker and doesn't want to make it on time to watch. So now we have to go to man overboard. Yeah. <laughs> and you got watched in the morning. Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, man, I cannot win. All right. So I'm going to read. Now I'm going to move on to the excerpt from the creed that we're going to focus on as we step through uh, advocacy and trust. So uh, and, and the topic will intermingle with leadership and tradition just because of how they structured it. But during the course of initiation, you have been caused to humbly accept challenge and face adversity. This you have accomplished with rare good grace. Pointless as some of these challenges may have seemed. There were valid, time-honored reasons behind each pointed barb. Your faith in the fellowship of chief petty officers was necessary to overcome these hurdles. The goal was to instill in you that trust is inherent with donning of the uniform of a chief. So that's the the excerpt, right? Uh, there is a follow-on video that uh, I'm sure you watched. Uh, <laughs> and that uh, it was a vince lombardi speech right and it's got a bunch of quotes and then like like audible quotes and then just like stuff listed but uh first i'm going to ask you some questions about the creed itself so uh first question is why define the creed so why even even have one and why why go into the detail that it does well because this is the military and we can't just have a thing and let that be the thing <laughs> we have to we have to have discussions about why this thing is this thing <sighs> Why have a creed? Well, number one, it ascribes to us a sort of doctrine of principles in our interaction with each other. And it helps solidify the course of what we do. Yeah. There's also some self-aggrandizing there. Yeah. I mean, that's real. I mean, we, I mean, we have, we are exclusive and we know we're exclusive. So uh, yeah, there's some self-aggrandizing there, but getting past that, it's a nice reminder Every couple of days when I reread it, it uh, sets me back on course. It, it establishes my guidelines and it takes the core values and um, expands upon them in a positive and helps me remember that there's more to this 
than yeah. maybe what I'm focusing on right now. I think that's relevant. Regarding the idea of trust, the the first what five lines of the second graph, your faith in the fellowship. Yeah. Um, it's another. It's a five word phrase for trust. Your faith in the fellowship is just trust of chief petty officers. And as we're raised in the Navy, we're taught to number one, respect the chief, and number two, trust the chief. Yeah. And as time has marched on and social media has become more and more prevalent, we're starting to see that there are members of the chief's mess uh, who are losing trust. But I suspect there have always been members of the chief's mess who have given us black eyes. Yeah. Um, we're seeing it more. You know, the, the visibility is more there now. Right. But, I was going to say the the visibility is amplified and broadcast far and wide. Right. Yeah. And so as we watch selectees go through season, um, we are given a good dose of that and, and to remember why we were indoctrinated with the idea to respect and trust the chief. Right. Um, and it's also, again, critical to remember that, you know, these are human beings that wear the uniform. And that, that for me is, is the crux of season. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't care um, how good a sailor you are because I have enough trust in, in my mess. They would not have given you the evaluation or evaluations um, to get you here in this room. So I'm not even worried about how good of a sailor you are. That's obvious to me. I, I want to know what kind of person that uh, I'm going to accept into this mess. And I want to I want to be able to trust you with details of my life or details about my work that I wouldn't share with anybody else. So in order to do that, I like to be as transparent as possible and as open as possible uh, and share those things freely. Yeah. Um, to reveal those lights in my soul rather than just describe them and to take a great deal of pride and um, and respect in the inner workings of the chief's mess, right. you know, and some of those signs that we've got, you know, on, on the door uh, of the chief's mess about, you know, the things that happen inside the chief's mess and the things that are heard inside the chief's mess. I really value those things. Those things are, are significant to me. And yeah, um, so with that in mind, it is okay for me. I like to demonstrate the uh, the trust that I have in the mess by opening myself up in places that I wouldn't normally do it to kind of give those selectees a sort of guideline, you know, to give them a, um, an example of how to be trustworthy yeah. and of how to trust. Because, I mean, there are a lot of people who have trust issues. You know, for sure, that's a human thing. That's a human thing, you know, and then. Well, yeah. And you got to think about who's coming into the mess when we select chiefs. It's junior sailors. Do we have a trust issue between junior sailors and chiefs right now? Yeah, probably. Like, so if you think about like when it's when certain sailors are selected and and they come in, it's like I've dealt with those those exact sailors that I had long conversations with that first class six months ago about. Mm how they didn't trust chiefs and how they thought the organization was silly and how they thought that, you know, like they would attack all of the credibility and the ability to trust based on, Oh, we sweep everything under the rug and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, <laughs> okay. Like, and so I had those conversations with them and now they're chief select and it's like, okay, so now how are you going to deal with this? How are you going to learn to trust the organization that you previously had torn down and, and, Right. You know, looked at so skeptically. Now, now you're a company man. Yeah. So now, now right. You're in the game. <laughs> now you're them is what I like to tell them. Like, oh, you're talking about them, them, them. Well, now you're them. So how are you going to deal with that? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and now, now the onus is on you. 
Yeah. Because you're, gonna, you're not just representing your name. You're representing all of us. How do you feel about the so I, we've, I've been talking about and this is going to be weird because of how these are going to be. This is going to be number one of like and I've already talked it, I about it. it. I love it when a question starts. <laughs> this is going to be weird. That's, that's well, <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm here to make things interesting. So the um, the it's going to be weird because they're going to hear me talk about things that are going to happen in the future of the series because of the order in which I had to schedule recording all these. But the I've talked with a lot of the other people that I've recorded with so far, and I'm I'm almost done uh, with about the content of the creed and like how it's how it's organized and structured and focused. It's like, do you think that based on where we're at today and not just the problems, but like the the things we want to be focused on going forward and and how, just how the world the world has changed in a way i think especially like we're talking about social media and all this other stuff it's like i think the world's changed in a way that it it almost demands that we we be a little more transparent and we explain a little more of the why than we do currently and stuff like that do you think the current version of the creed and the way that it's structured and laid out expresses that in the way that we want it to or do you think mm. it needs updating? Because let's I, I've I've talked to a lot of people about this, and one of the best answers I've heard was from uh, a first class. And I'll tell you what it is when you're done. But yeah, I am really interested to know if you think that it it captures what we need it to organizationally right now. No. Okay. What it what about it? It like what about it? Do you think needs updating? And how, like how if you if you've thought about it. I think that in and of itself, I, I you know, I, I read it two, three times a week. Right, dude, I, I'm I, the same way. I love it. It's hanging on my wall just like it is everybody else's, and it gets me fired up every time I read it. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. And there are parts of it that I like more than others. Um, I think there needs to be something in here about um, to the effect of your your training isn't over. Yeah. You know, you're not done learning. Right. You know, just because you put this anchor on does not mean that you have arrived. That is, yeah, I know we, we do the, you know, ding, ding, chief so-and-so arriving. I get it. Yeah, I get it. That's ceremonial. I'm talking about it's not time for right. you to drop your pack. It's time for you, in fact, to reach down, put another pot of coffee on and go a little bit harder because there's now there's, there's going to be so much more for you to know, so much more for you to learn, so many more other problems that you're going to have to have a hand in solving. That yeah what was good enough to get you here will not keep you here. Right. And I think there needs to be an addendum um, that says something to that effect that, you know, your, 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 your learning experience is not over. You know, just because you have passed this six week initiation does not mean that you are done. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can, you can right post until you retire sure and, and we will recognize that we will know that and we will yeah. trust you accordingly oh good luck um, getting by me without getting face punched oh, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, uh -uh. Believer in roller skates are not allowed yeah 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 i'm yes i will be coming for you um that's an aside that we're gonna have to have by the way um yeah so yeah i think there needs to be something in here about uh it, it's now adapt or die yeah um you you have to change you have to take accurate stock and assessment of your sailors lead them accordingly bend and flex to what they need to how they are best led 
Um, otherwise, you are toast, man. You are yes. Toast. So the I talked to an NSW tech. Uh, he's a first class. I've talked to him in the past. It was a glasses half full episode. I forget which number it is, but um, he I, I wanted a first class for credibility of a chief for that topic because who questions our credibility more than junior sailors? And he's an E6 that, that yeah, is 100%. eligible for chief. So he thinks about this stuff a lot. He's been in leadership positions for a while. And it just happened to be the episode where the 1918 um, Blue Jackets manual article, a short talk with chief petty officers is is part of the topic. And you, so I, I read the whole article. I'm going to put it out as an independent spin the yarn and just link to it. But we talked about uh, the article itself. We had both read it, but he, he brought up the five, five summary points at the end. And he's like, why isn't this the chief's creed? Right. And so I'm going to read them just so that you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's uh, so one, you have a position and he reworded it as I statements or we statements because it was a okay. creed, right. But uh, number one is you have a position in which you must have expert knowledge of every detail that applies to your branch of the profession Two, your duties and training and instructing men of lower ratings are even more important than your duties in connection with the material, meaning the the brand, the details of the branch of your profession. Your, yes. your three, your conduct must be entirely above reproach in your daily life, such as to set an example, both from a personal as well as from a prof- professional point of view uh, Four, whatever may be your special branch, meaning rating, always bear in mind the military side of the life. So institutional expertise comply strictly with the formalities of military life and require the same of your juniors. So professionalism. Uh, five, yours is a position of honor and responsibility, which I th- oh, I love that statement. It's so much better than all the stuff that's self-aggrandizing. Do your work from a sense of duty. Be thorough in all you do and require of your subordinates thoroughness and military exactitude. And that's that's the five summary bullets. And I was just like, oh, I love it, man. And I maybe there's stuff to add. Right. But like I it's a pretty great start. <laughs> like. That's that's the preamble to the Constitution right there, man. I love um, it, man. I it, God, it got me fired up when we were talking because he did it perfectly and he reworded it in a way that it sounded like he just wrote the new Chiefs Creed. And I was like, whoa, I was like, that was so dope. That was so awesome. That That is absolutely incredible. And he's got a, a hell of a point. Why is that not the Chiefs Creed? That is right. fantastic. And and in fact, when we're done here, I need I need you to email me that. I don't have that. Easy day. Yeah. yeah. That's that's remarkable. And oh wow. I I'm recalling a George Carlin bit where he's talking about how as time moves forward, we, we add unnecessary words and phrases to things. Like, you know, yeah. it it used to be um uh, war or shell shock and then it became war fatigue and then it's post traumatic yeah. stress disorder, you know. Yeah. You got shell shock, you know. Um there is a sort of simplicity in that language. Um, and there's a dignity in simplicity yeah, um, that I really admire in that. I think that was, wow. Okay. Now I have to reevaluate some things because that yeah. is rock solid. Right. And Fired is, up a little bit. Like, I, little God, bit, man, I was ready to go through some brick walls. I was pumped when he, when he yeah, brought right, it like, up. Okay. And, okay. Let's let, okay. And, and in fact, you know, the reserve and FTS, you know, chiefs were announced today. Yep. Like, okay, yep. this is a two for today, man. I'm feeling this pumped yeah yeah that's that you know i mean i need to use that i need to use that material um because god i'm getting tired of of logging on to various social media platforms and seeing 
you know, well, Chief did this and Chief didn't do that. And this was embarrassing. And Chief made me feel like, you know, this and, you know, it, it crushed me. And, and, you know, Chief is doing things to junior enlisted sailors, you know, behind closed doors that he shouldn't be doing because he's married and because he's a chief. And you're like, yep, that's that's accurate. Yep, okay. You know, and you're like, man. Uh, and we talk all this good talk during the season, you know, and you know right. the guys. You know yep. the guys. I know the guys. And yep. I'm not blowing the door off of anything that nobody has, right. hasn't figured out already. Yep. But it's like, we have these conversations and then you're being hypocritical to a fantastic degree in the middle of the season, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Nick, Nick told me a story about, um, in his charge book, he has a charge from a chief that did exactly what you just described, right? Like said all the, all the right things and wrote all the right, you know, the message that you hear during the chief season. And then he has the Navy times article for his misconduct right next to it, where he got in trouble for doing something crazy. And then was held accountable, obviously. But like it, he put it, he's got the contrast right there in his charge book, like right next to the charge. He put the Navy Times article where the guy got caught. And it's just like, I, I'm, I'm, it disgusts me every time I see it, man. It's just like, not that again. And I always go back to humanizing chiefs. It's like we're human beings that make mistakes, but it's like that kind of stuff. I just, I, I have, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. I actually feel like I've learned a lot during the course of recording all these podcasts because uh, I got to talk to my friend Emily about um, she's a command climate specialist about the Bathsheba syndrome stuff. And she brought up some other stuff and it made me understand why people in those positions can end up where they are. Like it, it, I understand it better now. I still frustrates me and it. I still don't think it should happen, but like I, I at least grasp it a little bit better. You know what I mean? Sure. So the the Vince Lombardi thing, like I, I don't relate to and I'm a I like football, but I just like I didn't really relate to how the Vince Lombardi stuff translated to the topic exactly. But um, I'll do my best to discuss it. So it's talking about the, the quote, like, how does it pertain to advocacy in the Navy and how is success measured? And the quote being uh, and it's again, it's sometimes it's hard to to tell what they're asking about because the video had a lot of quotes in it too, but on the slide is what I'm assuming they're talking about. Uh, And it talks about the pursuit of excellence and and has some discussion point questions as well. But the quote is the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. So talking about uh, like how, how does that quote pertain to advocacy and how is success measured? I, I, um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's a stretch and I just think it was yeah. an excuse for the person who wrote it to include yeah, Vince Lombardi include- in there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that I was kind of, um, I didn't get it. And I was just like, what? Like, I don't, there, okay. There, there isn't, there isn't a, uh, a Marine general or, or, or Navy Admiral alive who hasn't used a football metaphor to describe life in the military. I didn't know. Sure, but I just like I, for this, it was such a stretch that. I, yeah, it's 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 what what are we doing? I'm like, like, what are we doing? Okay, cool. I'm glad I'm not the only one that felt that way. So, no, um, well, and again, well, Vince, like Vince the, is a great coach, but I mean, and the, the, and there are more applicable things that Vince Lombardi has said. He's a rousing speaker, and you could do a lot better than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was frustrated the video was even there, but okay. Um, so how does this pertain to the CPO Creed? Uh, as far as the video goes, I mean, I he talked a lot about team building and inspiring leadership. So 
how how it pertains to the creed i mean i just think it like i guess via advocacy and trust like he was he was talking a lot about um finding people that have like heart built into them you know what i mean like where it's like i'll take that over athleticism and all that other crap that people value probably more highly a lot of times he's like i'll I'll take that any day because that person's never going to quit on me um yes that's 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 completely accurate and in that regard it's relevant and i think we're all looking for those guys we're all looking for those people who are I mean, I don't just need all heart. I do need some technical expertise here. Sure, um, but I mean, I can build technical expertise. You know what I absolutely. mean? Like uh, yeah. that heart thing is a lot more difficult to to train. You know what I mean? To to t- it's not impossible. I don't think, but I think it's a lot more difficult. Well, I, I, I as you probably know, map season has come and gone. Yeah, and um, I had uh, I made a really great case for one of my junior sailors, but as I was writing up, you know, his package. I kind of put the the, the bluff page for um, my departmental LCPO and department head. And I was like, here's, here's how you advocate for this particular sailor on paper. This is not your number one draft pick. He is not right. But if you have to go to war right now, you're going to want him with you. He is absolutely not happy unless he is worn out, beat up and a little dirty at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he is he he does not believe in being specialized specialization is for insects he's a mark 240 gunner he can drive an mtbr he can drive a forklift he can drive a pile driver um he can sail a boat he can splice line he, he is a sailor and he is the guy that you want with you because he is one unafraid to take a punch and two completely unafraid to give a few and we're still a war fighting outfit and yeah. i think that you know, when you've got those score sheets for, for Sailor of the Year and Sailor of the Quarter and Map and all, the, all these things, we break all these these sailors down in all these various categories, community service and, you know, off-duty education. Okay, one, for me, would you want to take this sailor into a fight with you? Yeah. That's what I need to know first and foremost. Right. That's awesome. You've got, you've got six credits towards, uh, you know, um, your, your psychology degree wonderful congratulations that's that's an achievement yeah um, we're still getting in the business of fighting here so right that uh, you're you're fantastic and you are apparently a wonderful sponsorship coordinator um but you haven't fired a weapon in three years why is right that? right i wonder why we even in the so like i mean i'm effectively in the logistics field and like why i wonder why we don't like frame evaluations and meritorious recognition through the lens of like what are they doing to further the the goal of being an effective war fighter you know what i mean like because hmm. even logistics like we support we're supporting the the of the application of all the systems and the like weapon systems submarines ships like the, all of the course, yeah. all there's, the there's, there's yeah. no war without the logistics, right sure and so um, I wonder why we don't frame it because that would to me, that would alleviate the problem of like all those people, all the bake sale memes and like all the all the stuff about how everybody's being promoted based on like a bunch of substanceless eval bullets and their ability to do everything except their job well, which it's like when mm-hmm. we end up in a conflict all I'm going to care about is their ability to do their job well. 
and how they can like leverage those skills into killing the enemy and breaking their stuff like is what nick likes to say um that's good killing so yeah nick says that all the time he's like kill the enemy and break their stuff he uses a different word but um it's it's like when why aren't we framing it through that lens when we're doing the evaluations because then it's like i mean sure those are great things but i i almost don't feel like they should be considered by evaluations it's like more just like yeah i'll uh i'll give you a like flag letter or a nam and it'll be captured in that write-up that you did this great thing to contribute to the command but i don't i don't know man like because i there's some weird ones like for us being a career counselor is a collateral duty and that's a gigantic thing that's that's a massive duty right so if if somebody's doing that well as a collateral duty and they're like a division LPO. Like, I mean, cause I was, I was a division LCPO and a department chief at the same time. And Oh, by the way, I was the command career counselor for the largest submarine crew in the Navy. I didn't sleep, but it's like, how does that get captured? Like versus all the other, you know what I mean? Like it's interesting. I, I wonder because that to me, the career counselor one is contributing like probably in a tertiary way, to the warfighter being able to focus on being a warfighter. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. But well, I, I, th- I think it's relevant, but, and, and you know, again, we are talking about, you know, that the warrior toughness idea. Yeah, um, yeah. and we're talking about establishing trust and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's necessary to, there, there's just so many different avenues to approach this. Um, number one, I don't think it's, necessary for your sailors to see you up 24 hours a day working on their behalf because you're still human too and you need it's okay to to turn your phone off i mean and i've been i've never been a hostage but i have definitely been stuck in a group chat before (laughs) and it is a hostage situation it's like i you know i i go to the movies well not lately but I go to the movies and I come back and there's 17 text messages. Why aren't you answering? It's like, cause I took my lady on a date to the movies, man. Right. <laughs> right. If it's after hours and something's not on fire, that's why I'm not like, I have a life and a family to take. Like I'm come on, man. Like that's leave me alone. I'm not uh, right. like I, your me more is not the primary like focus of my day. Right. Well, why didn't you answer that text message at 1230 on a Friday night? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it, I don't think it's necessary for our sailors to see us just exhausted all the time um, right. and advocating on their behalf. But um, I think that advocacy, like everything else, has many different definitions and the visibility of it is significant. And we see advocacy in things as simple as building on the basics or brilliant on the basics. Right. Excuse me. Um, we're advocating for them by making sure that they're being literally taken care of and i that's a phrase that i hate you know i'm taking care of my well what does that mean right right. i i don't like that phrase i think it's one of those just generalized nonsensical things that you see on the back of a t-shirt that i i cannot stand because it just makes you turn your brain off i'm taking care of my sailors yeah oh are you now really Uh, yeah what what does that mean (laughs) does that mean um no but we advocate for them when we when we recognize them we put them up for awards when we when we put our boots in their, in their backsides, you know, and, and we, we make them get their warfare specific pin and, you know, and we can do that, you know, by shaking our fist at them. We can do that by, 
you know, curtailing liberty to a certain degree. We can do that just by, by forcing them into a certain pattern of behavior. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's advocacy. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a pat on the back, although it's not limited to that. You know, we can definitely give them a pat on the back and that's right. something. Um, I'm a big fan of just, you know, rolling up and underneath my breath real low saying, you know, job well done. Yeah, for real. And then and just looking at them and they're man, like, honest, that goes further most of the time. Yeah. Like chief, chief, like shaking their hand, maybe giving them a coin and like giving them a heartfelt, like, well done. Because I remember um, one of our food loads and it was one of the first ones I did on my last boat was a dumpster fire. Like everything yeah. that could go wrong, went wrong. And I mean, I planned and I had contingencies. It was my first one on this platform. So like, I also learned some lessons and took some lumps, but like, it's just like things went wrong that I had no control over, like ship systems that affected my ability, like the refrigeration plant went down. So I couldn't load frozen. So I had to do it later, but they brought the, we have what's called a logistics escape trunk that they pull out so that I can crane these giant uh, like aluminum containers down full of food. And it makes it way, way faster and more efficient while they, the refrigeration maintenance took so long that they had to put the logistics escape trunk back in. So now I can't do that. So now I got to hand over hand all that food down this little tiny hole in the submarine. So that takes way, way longer. And so then I didn't like foresee some of the other effects of that. And like, so it's just like, it all went downhill quickly. So like, I mean, I mean, my guys powered through it and we got it done, but it was really, really difficult and really, really stressful. And, um, we had like at the, I mean, it was like 1130 at night and we had some frozen that didn't fit cause I mathed some stuff wrong. So then I had to find a freezer to put it in on a pier that wasn't the pier we were at. And I'm like calling my buddy at like midnight going, Hey Kevin, what's the combo for your lock? Because I got to put this food in a freezer and thank God he was awake and I got the combo and you know, it was ridiculous. And then my guys are humping food over to another pier in a truck and, so we got it all done. And I mean, I gave a chief's coin to every single one of those guys, FSAs, cooks, all of them. Like I was just like unbelievable. Like, cause they weren't complaining on the grind. just like, which way do we go boss? What do you need next? And it was just like, yeah. wow. Like I was so impressed by those guys. Um, and that kind of stuff, man, they, like I saw it in over half of them, man, like they, the look on their face when I pressed a coin in their hand was just like, whoa like okay like this is what we're doing they, like they couldn't believe that like because i'm i don't know like it's something about my personality i guess like they i i guess my guys had kind of assumed i was a guy that it, it's like praise was hard to come by and but mm -hmm. when it's earned it's like i'm gonna shower them with praise like i'm not gonna I'm not going to hold it back when it's earned. And it's like, man, in that moment, I was like beside myself with their performance. I was like, you guys are, you guys killed it. Like I, this, I don't know if, if everybody else would have done the same job you guys did. So like, I'm incredibly happy with your performance. And I think that kind of a thing, it just goes so much further than, I mean, yeah, NAMs are nice, but I feel like the, your chief appreciating you goes a lot further and like lasts a lot longer, stays with them. Yeah. I, I yes, I cannot agree more. I, I even I just love that that under the breath, mm -hmm. mm, you know, yep. like well done. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's like when you see a you know a head football coach who just like you know great play, great play, yeah. you know, and he's like, and and those are the things that fire us up. 
You know, those are the things that, that really get us going, especially as a chief, because I, I learned a long time ago that, um, you know, my ability, whether it's as a chief or as a human being, to drive a conversation or to drive the energy of a room with junior sailors mm-hmm. um, cannot be overstated. Yeah. And you got to go all in, man. You got to use that disturbingly powerful ability for good. Yeah. And when you do, man, they, it, it changes everything. It changes the dynamic. They all, they will get fired up and run through yep. walls for you. They will do things that they wouldn't normally do or that they would talk about how much they hate. Yeah. Yeah. I, and they're going to get it done. I discovered that as an A school instructor, man, like how, cause it was so easy to gas those students up and like get them hyped and oh, get them, yeah. get them loud when we're marching across the base and stuff. Yeah. Like I, that was fun. I enjoyed that quite a bit. You pretty much answered the next question, which is why is advocacy important for us to understand as chiefs? Like, I think that like the, the stuff that I always come back to when we're talking about advocacy in particular is just like the, the way that the system is set up for rankings and awards and all the things. It's like I'm your advocate in the mess. So like when we're sitting down and having a ranking board, when we're sitting down and doing the map thing or whatever. Like it's like if I'm not well prepared and articulate and and loud when I need to be, uh, you're not going to get the advocacy that you deserve at those boards. And if you're not getting the appropriate representation because I'm not prepared or I'm not all there, or I don't know all the things about your performance or whatever, um, or I'm Mm -hmm. just like sitting in the corner, letting people run me over, then, you know, you're not, unfortunately you're not going to get represented the way that you need to. So, um, that's the, th- the thing that I always come back to is regardless of like your personality trait or like, like there's, there's people that just aren't comfortable with that type of conflict and coming in there and, and like arguing their point the way that they feel like they need to. It's like, man, like seeing the most quiet, like soft spoken individuals in the world that because you're going to get your turn. It's like, if you come in prepared with facts and like all the things that you need to be equipped with to advocate for that junior sailor, like you don't need to be fiery about it. Like you don't need to be standing on a soapbox. It all speaks for the, for itself if you present it in the right way. So as long as you're coming prepared and you're advocating for your sailors, they're going to be, they're going to be well taken care of in that regard. Right. And that's like, you're their voice in the mess and it's, it's pretty important. And you're their voice for like when the captain asks for, you know, the sailor to call out at all hands call as the performer of the week or whatever. Like mm-hmm. they, there's, there's divisions on board that when not properly advocated for are wondering why, you know, why don't BMs ever get selected for the CO sailor of the week thing? Like, well, because somebody's not advocating for you, <laughs> like, because I'm sure there's someone unless unless everything's on fire and <laughs> in deck, it's like I, I would assume there is a, a, at least one like hot running BM that should absolutely get recognized for their efforts. And then they feel like they're they're Well, no one recognizes this. So why am I even doing this? And blah, 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 blah. Right. And that can become cancerous within the we see we see a problem with this um, with uh, one of one billets. Yeah, especially in the in the junior pay grades, for example, I know that there are a lot of one of one independent duty billets for MCs out there, mm-hmm. right? And MCs are one of the most poorly utilized ratings in the fleet if they're not at a um, command that has many. Yeah, MCs. Uh, so, I mean, if you're if you're an MC one at a, at a at a hospital, you are not getting the level of advocacy that you probably need. And I don't want to just limit this to the MCs, but there are a lot of independent duty, one of one or, or maybe, you know, one of two billets out there 
where our sailors aren't getting the kind of advocacy they need. So one of two things, one, we need to look at a better billet system for them. Mm-hmm. Or two, it becomes more incumbent on the chief to understand the scope of that one of one independent duty billet yeah, and what that sailor is capable of. Because I know a lot of junior sailors who have complained to me in the past about, you know, I'm getting run over at my command because, you know, all I do is these grip and grin photographs or, you know, they don't know what I, how to use me. So I, I just update the command's Facebook page and you're like, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, um, we need to do a better job inside the mess of recognizing those vulnerabilities and getting those sailors the treatment they deserve because we are losing very good sailors because of it. Right. That's interesting. I will have to talk offline because I have an MC one at my command right now and she is one of one. Um, Mm. And I'd be interested because as far as I know, all she does is grip and grin photographs and stuff. So like, I'm, I'm curious to know now, like what, and I mean, she did just receive a pretty, prestigious award for doing such a great job on like at just in her role but uh right yeah i'll have to i'll have to learn a little bit more because i like completely ignorant of of what she should be doing what she is doing like it's yeah it's interesting we have an interesting right. staff makeup too so um I'm sure you do yeah so have you ever asked your sailors for their blind faith no never no no that's not accurate I have said things before, like, look, I just need you to trust me right now for the next yes. five minutes. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Like, I've done that for sure. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm like, look, I know that this is a little counterintuitive for you, but I need you to just trust me for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if this works out like I expected to, just say, oh, that's what Chief was trying to do. Right. I yeah. understand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Like I'm playing 3D chess right now and I don't have time to explain it to you. Just do it. Right. And just shut up and trust me on this. one. Yeah. And a lot of times like that, those are, that's exactly the, those are exactly the times where I've done that. Um, unless it's safety related, in which case it's more like a coercive compliance type of thing, but just asking for their blind faith. It's like, there's, there are times where when I don't have the time or ability to explain to them exactly what's happening, it's like, I've spent a ton of time purposefully building that trust so that when I do ask for their blind faith, they're like, they might have a look on their face, but they're like, okay, like, just, you know what I mean? Like, this doesn't feel like a good plan, but if you're telling me that you have the big picture in mind and you're playing 3D chess, I'm going to trust you mm-hmm. to do it. And then, and yeah. I always, they know I'm going to explain it to them later, but right now I can't. That, that's crucial. Yeah. That's crucial. Yes. Yep. 100%. Yeah. They got it. Yeah, they have to have that understanding that it's going right. to be. We're going to do the po- we're going to do the post game analysis brought to you by by you know Sony. Um, so the reason I did this was because of X, Y, and Z factors. BM three so and so. In the future, you know, I I think that I, so I have a I did a a, a paper about the um, uh, seven habits of highly effective leaders as applied to mob bosses throughout the twenty first or the twentieth century. <laughs> okay. And uh, there's a lot of uh, it was a scream. And there was actually the the eighth method, which is murder for for a mob boss. Um, But at the end, uh, Al Capone had 40,000 people on his payroll. Yeah. Right. You don't get to be in charge of 40,000 people if you're not good at what you do. Right. They have to have some measure of faith in your organization. And 
not all gangsters are making, you know, the, the Goodfellas type money that we see, right? right? Most of them are just street thugs. Okay. So what would prompt somebody to, to, to go into this with you? Like Stephen Levitt in Freakonomics wrote about this. Like why, why most drug dealers live with their parents? Um, and, and so with that trust that comes with that system, you have to be able to break these things down in a way where you, you have leveraged the amount of trust and your expertise to um, convince a sailor to just trust you blindly for five or 10 minutes or, or, you know, if you're giving him advice before a DRB and like, just trust me on this, just, this is what I need you to do. We'll talk about it later. We'll, we'll go over the X's and O's, but I'm seeing a level of this that you are not. And you just have to try right, right. for the time, you know, and given the fact that there are some things that we cannot share with these junior sailors, we have to find ways around that. Right. Um, in, in a way to coach and, and, um, and train, you know, but also, I'm a very big believer in letting chiefs be chiefs and trusting the subject matter experts. And we have all been in a situation where we have said, sir, ma'am, we can fix this, but I need you to just let me be a chief for like two days. Yeah. You know, just work on your qualification. <laughs> I'll make this happen. Yeah. Just go over there. Yeah. I'm not saying that something shady was being done. I'm not right. saying that uh, the, uh, the UCMJ law was being violated or that, you know, some fraction, uh, you know, inspired, transpired. What I'm saying is that there are things and leadership abilities and techniques that we have at our disposal that allow these things to get done. Um, and commanding officers um, who have a healthy respect for the chief's mess understand that. And they will walk into the chief's mess um, on an invite from the CMC and, and lay out their policies and they will say, I trust you to do this thing. Don't lose that trust. So we are allowed to do the things that we do because our commanding officer also trusts us. Yeah, no, I agree, man. And I like, so I like the next question in the context of what you just said. So like what happens when you abuse blind faith? Um, or just lack advocacy. Uh, it, it mentions tradition too, but I'll leave that for, for Nick, mm. but yeah. Sure. So the, especially in, in the context of like, it, it could be any, anybody, right. Juniors peers, but especially like a CEO, right? Like, because we're all able to do what we do because the CEO trusts us. So when you abuse that, where do we end up? Neutered. Yeah. I mean, you are, you're, you're, you, you're micromanaged. Yeah. You're, you're second guest in front of your sailors. Yeah. Um, your division officer, your department head is, is doing things that, um, they don't need to do. Right. Um, and it's evident, you know, um, your first class will be running you into the ground. Um, your second classes will be doing things that, uh, they know that they shouldn't do, but they know that they can get away with and right. that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, and they will stop coming to you with their issues. Yeah. And that's when you've lost them for good. You yep. might as well just transfer. Yeah. You don't have time to wait for, you know, crew turnover. You don't have time to wait for the next batch of your sailors to arrive. You might as well just pack your bags. Yeah. And that's, and that's the reality of it. Like it's, it's once you've reached that level, you've already gone way too far. Yeah. You know, somebody, 
somebody should have pulled you aside in the mess and said, hey, man, uh, why are your sailors coming to me about these problems? Why can't they trust you? What's going on there? Right. What, what, what are you doing to make it so difficult for them to come talk to you? And more to the point, why are you making it difficult to come talk to you? That's your <laughs> damn job. Yeah. Yep. I, I've had it. I've had chiefs that just like, like we've, we've recognized those things happening within a division and intervened on that division's behalf. And you just still, we still found ourselves in a place where that chief just was not getting it and was continuing to do counterproductive things that alienated their sailors. And then we found ourselves in a place where it's like I, between the, the chiefs in our mess, cause it was a two crew submarine, right? So the chiefs in our mess were holding it together with chickless and duct tape as like proxies. And then when we combined crews to go to the shipyard, the other crews chief took that division over overnight. The culture changed. Cause it was like the nature channel, man. They just knew they're like, Oh, I can, Oh, I, I can smell a good chief. Okay, cool. So this guy, <laughs> this guy's competent and like, and he had already, it was like the two, two crews worked together on the, the that type of submarine. So like they talked, they're friends with the other, the other counterpart division mates, right? Like they're all hanging out outside of work. So they already know this guy's a good chief. So it was just like, as soon as he took over the division, it was like, they all just fell in line. Every it was, it was, and I, I told everybody, I'm like, just like, I get it, but like, just give it a minute. And when we combine crews, watch what happens. And mm -hmm. it, it was like, so it was like somebody snapped their fingers and all of a sudden everything was right with the world. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and it's just like, it's funny to see that contrast, like funny in, in like a not ha ha way, but like just it's it, interesting and kind of shocking and, um, and it speaks to exactly what we've described, and it speaks yeah. to our worst fears. Right, right. Like making the cover of, of Navy Times is not something that I'm I'm fearful about because I'm just not that kind of person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to do anything that's going to, you know, I'm not taking, you know, kickbacks from some Far East, you know, lobbyist. That's not my bag. <laughs> and, yeah. But what I am afraid of is, and one of the things that forces me to pull my head out of the admin hole every now and again, you know, like if, you know, I just get bogged down and I was like, no, I got to do this. I got to do this paperwork. Yeah, like, yep. Wait a minute. Hang on. You know what? I still got 20 minutes. I'm, I'm going to go hit this deck plate real quick and see what's up. You know, yeah. um, that fear of losing my sailors and losing their trust is the thing that keeps me coming back to work. And it, what it's what keeps my phone on a lot of times. It's what makes me advocate for my sailors even after they've left the command. Cause I remember what it was like to be shut out. I remember what it was like to, to need help um, of, of a variety of different ways and, and to be, you know, given the, you know, the, the Heisman. It's like, yeah. Oh, I don't want that. You know, and I can't be there for everybody. I recognize that. Right. You know, my mentor, you know, brought that up. He goes, you know, it's okay to turn your phone off, man. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. But I, dude, I, I'm with you with the fear piece. Cause like, I don't, I don't feel like it's okay for me to turn my phone off. And like, I, I feel, um, cause even with the podcast, right? Like I've become a chief to people that aren't even in my geographic area, you know? And it's like, I love that, but I also feel a deep responsibility to not like drop the ball and not be there when they need me and stuff like that. And it's like, 
like, you know what I mean? Like I go back and forth with it. Like what you said, like, yeah, it's okay to, to clock out once in a while, but it's like, at the same time, I'm like, is it? Cause like, then I'm going to regret not getting that message or not answering them in a timely fashion or not whatever. And it's just like, it scares me, man. It scares me that I'm not going to be there when they need me. So let me ask you this question then. And this is maybe a little more personal. What gives you more, um, what worries you more? Losing that one message or going through cancer treatment again? Missing that one message. Jesus, man, you need to talk to somebody. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. I'm broken. Like I <laughs> missing that one message would worry me more. Dude, I was answering. I was answering messages on Reddit and Instagram in the lobby of the radiation clinic that I like needed help walking back to the freaking thing. Like I'm, I'm broken. It's fine. There's wires crossed. This is well documented. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. In five more years, they're going to cut that piece of colon in me with the cancer. Yeah. It's fine. It's I'm yeah. I dude, I, yeah, I would. And I, but like, that's the, People people look at it like it's a good thing in a lot of ways, but I think in a lot of ways it's probably not because I'm a guy that has burned the candle at both ends for a lot of my career. And it's like, yeah, I know I'm not good at balance. I know I'm not good at turning it off. And so it's like it's something that I've been pretty focused on because if I go back as a cop, it's like I have a wife now. I would like to have kids by then. It's like I'm going to have people that need me as much if not more as these sailors do and it's like are there times where they're going to be the priority yes is it times where my family's going to have to win yes so it's like and i need to figure out how to do that you know what i mean so that i don't lose them while i'm devoting so much of my bandwidth to these sailors so it's just like that part if anything scares me more if anything scares me the scares me about going back to sea as a cop it's that it's that i'm like I'm going to not know how to turn it off. And then it's right. like, I'm going to end up well, losing my family over it. You know what I mean? Well, then this brings up another question. I think that perhaps maybe the idea of warrior toughness should be reinforced across all pay grades. And then doubly so once you, be- once you become a chief. Probably because I'm an idiot. So like you should, <laughs> you, should de- <laughs> you should definitely like, I definitely need somebody to tell me how and when to like call. Well, I, yeah, I, th- I think, well, yeah. I mean, if, Power if, if we're going to make that choice, if we're going to make that choice to burn the candle at both ends, right? If we're going to make that choice, then we also have to surround ourselves with the, and, and give ourselves the tools necessary to be able to do that. Yeah. Because you can only go hard in the paint for so long. Right. You know, you, you got to have your break. You got to take your break. Yeah. Um, and I've said that, like, I, I refuse to, to, to work through lunch now. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that ever again. I did that for for way too long and it, it, it's never worth it you yeah. know it's it's never worth it they, the the 45 minutes of work that i could get done by working through lunch uh, can wait and i will take that lunch and i will be happier because of it and i will have a more lasting positive effect on my work day than working through lunch and getting out an extra 45 minutes early oh that's hilarious i eat, I, like I, eat, I eat lunch at my desk <laughs> don't do it man don't i do, do every day don't, do not do it man <laughs> I, uh, I I made a habit of uh, of taking my radio out outside and listening to a baseball game while I eat lunch. Nice. And uh, it's 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 wonderful, and it's 
you know, outside. It's the, it's Southern California. I work in Southern California. Right. Why would I not want to be outside? You know, it's a fair point. There's a baseball game. Yeah, there's a baseball game on the radio. The breeze is there. You know, and I'm enjoying the Southern California sunshine, and I'm away from my desk. You know, and it's it's it, it's it's a mood enhancer. It gets you some vitamin D. You get your blood sugar back up, and you know, I I I make good food. So when I eat it for lunch, <laughs> I'm happier. Yeah. So, you know, I'm happier. And if I want to have a burrito, everyone's happy with burritos, you know, For and it's from California again. So, um, no, I, 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 I know that I am a, I'm a bit of a fatalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know that I know myself and I know that, uh, I've always felt very temporary. Yeah. And, but I also know that, you know, when I, when I hang up, my, the uniform for the last time, and I give that last salute. There's going to be another BMC or BMCS yep. behind me. Yeah, yep. well, I mean, we're taught we're taught from the very beginning that we are the Navy will go on and we we right. play our role, and then we move on. We we go on with our day. So I am not going to destroy what remains of my mental health, knowing that I am in a temporary position. Now, does that mean that I am not going to give it everything I can? Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. I swore an oath just like everybody else, and I'm still a chief. So yeah, I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna make the tough calls, and I'm gonna do the tough, difficult things. Um, but I'm also not going to ignore the fact that I've got 21 months until I ride off into the sunset. Well, dude, I figured out the secret to chief immortality. You just start a podcast, and then I can just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just dive into this with both feet when I retire and still not turn my phone off and eat lunch at my desk. So the, I fixed right, it. Right, right. I fixed it. I will be uh, I will be taking a tour of John Paul Jones's tomb at the Academy uh, when I'm 60 and you're going to be there like, yeah, eating my lunch. Don't give up the shit. Po- yeah. Don't give up the shit podcast. Episode yeah. 10,400. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So I got some Apple's longest running podcast. I got some definite. Yeah. No, I got help. Me. Uh, I got some definitions that I, I got to put out there. So for this, this part of module one, so we'll advocacy yeah. is the act or process of supporting a cause or proposal, the act or process of advocating something, and then trust, firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And then there's a quote at the bottom. Leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character. But if you must be without one, be without strategy. And it's General Norman Schwarzkopf. Um, so the we couldn't find an admiral. I guess not. Admiral, huh? I guess not. <laughs> so the well, what's interesting is the question asked about the quote here in a second. But the as far as the definitions go, um, basically the question is how do you feel about the definitions? So advocacy, the act or process of supporting a cause or proposal. <laughs> It, it, I, I always call this the Merriam-Webster portion of the show. Yeah, pretty um, much. <laughs> like, you know, when when the, whenever I see the Merriam-Webster dic- uh, dictionary definition on, on something, yeah. like there, there are a couple things that I that just immediately turn me off in, in, a, in a training scenario. Um, <laughs> when you say good morning, oh, come on, we can do better than that. Oh, God, I'm like, I'm like, yep, I'm done here. Okay, <laughs> got it, got it. Um, uh, if I see the, according to the dictionary, according to Merriam-Webster, I'm immediately like, okay, uh, we're done here. I mean, I know that I'm not going to get any new information. Uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think there's value to defining words sometimes, but the way they do it in a lot of these topics is, I the part that I I don't like is the underhand pitch of of the first question being, what do the definitions mean to you? It's like, 
they mean what they said. Like it's the definite, like I, I get, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I get what they were kind of trying to go for, but I just, I don't like the question in and of itself. No, but. I don't either. I, I think, I think it's silly. I think it's a waste of, of mental effort. I think. Yeah. Uh, 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 well, let me see. Let me pull this up again one more time. They mean what they mean, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Right. Got it. How, now here, here's a better question. How do we apply this to the real life deck plate? Yeah, and I mean the next question is effectively why are these is effectively that it says why are these characteristics advocacy and trust important as a leader? So like how do we how do we go? It's really how do we go about implementing them and and why are they important to us as chiefs? Right, and the, and the thing too is nobody on the deck plate thinks about these things and these definitions when they're actually doing it. Yeah, no one's like, well, I have to make sure that I advocate for my shoulder today. Do, 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 do. Yeah. That's not real. You're like it's a, it's a ranking board. I'm going in to rank these sailors appropriately. Like, you know, and if you need to have it spelled out for you, okay, fine. That's that's the thing we can do. Um, but no one's going through this step by step. Like driving a car. Like hands at ten and two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no one's doing that. Um, so yeah, these these definitions are fine. Um, but I think a better question again is. How do you advocate? Yeah. What what methods at our disposal are there for advocacy? How many different types of advocacy are there? Are we going to advocate for our sailor to get mental health treatment immediately or after this next exercise? Right. Are we going to advocate for a sailor to be removed from the service because it's actually what's best for them? Right. Or it's best for the Navy if this sailor is not in service anymore? Are we going to advocate for a more severe penalty? Are we going to advocate for a less severe penalty? Like these are, these are real questions. Like this is the stuff that a chief deals with every day. Right. You know, what different types of avenues do we have for advocacy? Um, whether it's awards and recognition, whether it's discipline, whether it's uh, various services at our disposal, um, whether it's, you know, a chaplain visit or, or mental health programs that we have or uh, a DAPA, for example, you know, there are many different ways to advocate for our sailors. It could be at the map board. It could be at a disciplinary review board. Right. And that's really when these things that we talk about in theory come into actual place. Right. And because it's one, it's, it's one thing to see it in theory, you know, like if we're going to continue with the football metaphor, thank you, Vince Lombardi, if we're going to draw up the X's and O's, how does that translate to the deck plate? Yeah. And dude, I like the, the, story I tell that I think hits the hardest for me when it comes to advocacy is not like it's, it's kind of what you're talking about in, in that, like there's going to be a situation that arises where the easy answer is, is going to be to just say, Oh yeah, that's what the book says. Or, Oh yeah, that's like just the, the norm or like PSD told me that that's how that goes. So, and it's like, Mm -hmm. dude, I like, I have two sailors serving the Navy right now as CT chiefs that were my cs2s on used to fish and on my first chief's tour and they i was a career counselor and they were basically like uh we're coming up on reenlistment it's time to have that conversation what are you guys gonna do oh we're getting out because they won't let us or they're like we're getting out why because they won't let us cross rate really what do you guys want to do uh one of them wanted to be a ctn one of them wanted to be a cti i believe um it's been a while so (laughs) so uh I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. Like, get out my books and start doing career counselor things. 
figure out that there's the score program, which I think still exists. But, but even back then, I had my my uh, CMC telling me that that's not real anymore. I'm like, well, I got a Milpers Man article that says it is real. So I'm going to submit a 1306 on their behalf, like applying for this program. And I did. And everybody's like, apparently been telling them for years that because they're on submarines, submarines, not submarines aren't going to let them go. You're stuck on submarines for life. Like they put too much money into training you, blah, blah, blah. Turns out that's not true. (laughs) And both of them came back as a yes. And both of them are now, instead of us losing those bright, high functioning sailors, they're now both wearing khakis to work as a CTN and a CTI. Same thing for, I had a, a CS1 apply to screen for the White House. And uh, she was sitting on shore duty because she had just had a child and got back from maternity leave and was it was she was due for shore duty anyway. So there was no point in sending her back to the boat. So uh, she was applying for the White House screened. And then all of a sudden it got shut off because they said uh, somebody somebody in a, in a high job said that she owed sea time still, which was untrue and that she wasn't qualified in submarines, which was also untrue. So I'm like, I like I don't know where you got this from, but. Like, this isn't real. But the the f- initial message that came back was just, uh, hey, we're no longer considering her. Have a nice day. And my CMC, when all this was said and done, because I engaged, fixed the misconceptions that they had, got emails from the people that supposed that like the detailer and the the person that said that they owed C time both saying, no, that's not true. Got her dolphin stuff scanned in and emailed and like, no, that's also not true. We're in the process of fixing a record, blah, blah, blah. But right. it's like all not true. Got the process turned back on and then she got selected. And I'm like, okay, done. What What's next for the day? You know what I mean? Like I, I'm clocked in right now. That's my job. My CFC comes down and is like, shaking and hugging me like I can't believe I didn't know that this even happened and that you like engaged and like you know we're on fire about it and got her thing turned back on and blah, blah. I'm like that's not no all I did was my job man like stop patting me on the back for being her chief you know like yeah. I and but yeah. he, he, what he was telling me was like look man whether you like it or not most people would have accepted the White House's answer of we're not screening her anymore have a nice day because like they just well, and I'm like, why not? You know, like what happened? And they're like, oh, well, this and this. Well, no, that's not true. And then I proved it. And then I and it. But it's like. That's advocacy like and it's that's a tool that it's like to me and, and his argument back was like, look, I'm going to I'm going to come down here and shake you because I'm so happy because most people wouldn't have done that. Most people would have accepted right. that answer and shut it down for the day. And she just wouldn't have went to the White House and you didn't and you challenged and pushed back and and got it turned back on and here we are with a letter in our hands saying she selected to go so uh, and I, but i'm like but dude that's just me doing my job that's me being clocked in and and that came up and i'm like no like and advocating for my sailor but at the same time it's like if you are relaxed in that regard if you're willing to just take answers from because like I bet you the person in charge of that screening process is an expert at what they do, but mm-hmm. complacency kills. So if, mm-hmm. if they're not willing to ask those questions based on the volume of applications based, because it, it's not their job to prove that all those things are true. But like I asked those questions, they gave me the answers. I proved that those things were in fact false and they're like, Oh, okay. And they turned it back on. But like, that's my job. That's not on them regardless, but like there's a lot of steps in the process that, 
it's easier to be complacent and just check boxes than it is to ask those questions. Like instead of sending her an email saying, Hey, are you qualified in submarines? Can you send me documentation to that effect? And Hey, I got this email. Do you actually owe sea time still? And like, Oh no, I can get, cause she could have answered it. She, like, she's the type of human that would have, she would, she didn't need me to answer those questions. Turns out she just needed me to ask them because they weren't telling her that, but they told me that. Of course not. So, yeah. So it's just like, but that's advocacy. That's what we get paid for. That's what we're talking about. Like it, you know what I mean? I've, I've had these conversations with several people. And I, I you know, I am going to bag a little bit on the military industrial complex because we've got people in positions of authority who are not the authority. And what I mean by that specifically is like we have a lot of military retirees yeah. who work in offices that handle active duty problems. And they accept um, solutions to problems that came out of the 1985, you know, personnel manual and not the most recent revision <laughs> of that manual. Yeah. And they're, they're going off of old information that they've been going by since they were a chief back in 1983. Yeah. Okay. And they don't like it when their authority is challenged. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, you know exactly yeah. who I'm I do. About. I do. But in their defense, like, I just want to make the caveat of like, I've also encountered retired master chiefs that would burn the entire world to the ground to make sure that you had the help you needed. So I just want to like, I just want to like, make that clear that I've definitely encountered those people. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely yeah. encountered some retirees that forgot that they didn't wake up wearing khakis this morning to work. Cause they, it, they right. don't see it as different. You know what I mean? They're just like, no, and, still and getting those after are the real ones. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Those, those are the real ones. And, and those are the ones that you need. Yep. Um, but I've run my head, you know, into these walls and I found when I learned a great number of lessons from, from my daughter through the years. But when I was a journalist, I learned a, several great lessons from her that three-year-olds make the world's greatest journalists. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Everything's why. <laughs> and if you accept these answers, after you, you're, you're a reasonable and a, an intelligent human being, and every avenue of approach and every piece of documentation you have yeah. says that this sailor is eligible for these programs or this sailor yep. is eligible for this under these. Yep. And then you take the process up and you trust the process and you put the paperwork in and somebody's like, nope, have a nice day. And you're like, Ahem. yeah, why? No. Yeah. You're so you're telling me I'm a three-year-old. <laughs> that's what I got out of this. Well, and, <laughs> well, and that's a great thing to be. Yeah. That's no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like, cause because, that's, because, it's all it takes to, right. to be a strong why? advocate. Why? Like why? And it, I mean, I mean me yeah, obviously I want to be standing there with those references that you're talking about. And like, I have the oh, book course, that yeah. says right here that I'm right and you're wrong. So why? Like yeah. I'm not going away until you answer why? Nope. I'm, it says right yeah. here. And, and that's the thing that I think that during season, we really need to reiterate. Yeah. Like, man, you're a chief now. Yeah. You are paid to step on toes from time to time. Yeah, 100%. You are paid not to be the nicest person in the room. You are right. paid to be a subject matter expert. Right. You are paid to advocate for your sailors. And sometimes that's going to involve making people a little uncomfortable. Yep. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, right? I'm not here to make friends with everybody. I am here to get things nope. done. So nope. yeah. I, I am retirement eligible, and it takes <laughs> an act of Congress to take these anchors off of me. So guess what, man? 
Yeah. We're, we're gonna. So I mean, I had a sailor who did. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, you said that. My buddy. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name. He's <laughs> he was and he was joking, but he's like, what? He was a seer chief that would that would. He was very much that guy. Like he and he would put himself in some pretty hairy spots to make sure everybody had what they needed and his sailors were properly advocated for. And he he would always say like, "What's the point of having power if you can't abuse it?" Like, <laughs> he would he was the same thing. He was the same guy. He's like, "I'm probably at my terminal pay grade, so hey, like, what what are you gonna do? Fire me? Like, I'm gonna go in there and say what needs to be said to advocate for my sailors, for the command, for whatever, yeah, for whatever we need." A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and I, I had a, I had a sailor who um, comes from an interesting uh, family background, and unfortunately, um, she is she's 21. She has a sister who is, interestingly enough, three years old. Um, and uh, her mother was not able to care for that three-year-old. So she went through the exact legal process that you're supposed to go through, and she got legal custody of the child. And there's the, the affidavit and all the signed court documents and the judge's signature and all this stuff. And right. Now she is eligible for BAH because she has a dependent. Right. Yeah. Clear, clear as day. Yeah. Clear as day. Yeah. And the guy over at the barracks office is like, Nope. Yeah. And I was like, Ahem. I'm sorry. What? Why? <laughs> why? I, was, I went into his office and was like, explain to me why. Well, well we don't usually do this. It was like, I don't, I don't I care what you usually, usually do. Like, yeah, I was usually it's got nothing to do with anything. Is this legit? I, I, cause I know it's legit, you know? And he's like, well, uh, you know, and he's one of those guys who, when confronted with information that runs contrary oh, yeah. to his, his order, uh, of the day he immediately starts looking around the room yeah. and starts fiddling with other things yeah. and th that's that's the part where the angry bosom mate uh, yeah my fist start, is hitting the desk to give him something right, to focus I'm, on <laughs> yeah i'm about to, about to drag my knuckles like I, you know like yeah. it was 1986 and be like give me your throat because i'm about yeah. to i'm gonna command your whole attention right now yeah, yeah. answer my question yeah you know and sure enough three days later the paperwork comes back from the base xo that says None of this was necessary. She has a signed chip from her commanding officer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Why are we even have? So you're right. going to tell me that I had to go through this nonsense because you just wanted me to go through this. Pretty nonsense. much. It was not required. Yeah. So now, now I know how to deal with him in the future. And that For makes sure. me dangerous. <laughs> now, because oh, I've been down this road, you know, I've been down this road. So we're going to get into a fight. You're going to lose because I've got everything. That, so, when I, you know what, man, you used you're a retired master chief. I'm a goat. Here's where you need to have some blind faith in me right now. Right, <laughs> that I've done the legwork and I understand it. Yeah, just just have a little faith in this one. Okay, yeah, buddy? the the you rest know, the rest of these questions we've already answered. So it's in regards to the quote, which has nothing to do with taking a significant leap of trust. Uh, can you can anyone provide an example when you had to make a significant leap of trust? So I, we've already answered that and provided examples. Yeah. How did it impact your situation? We've already answered that. And, and again, a lot of these questions are designed for selectees in a group of facilitated training to be having these conversations. So, um, but we've already answered those. Uh, and then providing the examples, we've already done that as well. So I'm going to move on to uh, the charge book discussion. So, th mm. yeah. And this is a fun one because uh, tradition of change, which I'm glad is incorporated into this PowerPoint because I'm I, like, I see too much of the old, like, you know, goat locker explanation parroted as like the history of the charge book and that's it's not true <laughs> so um the hyperlink is in the is in the outline as well but uh when we get into like traditions of change uh the document 
if you haven't reviewed it, review it. It's incredible. And it, it goes into not just the history of the charge book, but initiation itself and its origins and how it evolved over time. It's, it's amazing. Um, so as far as the, the changes that were handed down via word of mouth, much of which is the goat locker stuff. So, uh, it's, it asks a lot of questions. Um, but we get into like I'm, what traditions do you know and what do we believe they were meant to teach is I don't even think like we could talk about what do they believe they were meant to teach and the answer is nothing like it was it, it was debauchery like it was no, to, how much to, you could drink so yeah how much you can drink and put up with and then they throw you in the in the water and then you're achievable so it's like it was all debauchery that's all it was um, yeah yeah but what was the purpose of the charge book back then and now and the significance of is kind of the focus of this. So um, the purpose of the charge book back then being that they would collect charges and charges weren't what you think of nowadays. They were uh, uh, charges like you did something wrong and they charged you with, you know, not keeping the beer cold or not whatever. And it, like whatever they decided the the infraction of the day was they'd write it in your book and at the end you would go to court right and you would have to answer for all of your charges and that's that was the the origin of that uh as far as like the what it's called and what it was all about but uh as far as what it's evolved into like how do you view the charge book as far as its value and use and and like Mm. i I know it's an important thing to you and it's an incredibly important thing to me but but I'll let you, yeah. Let well, you. I was actually gonna, I was going to comment that um, the old school charge book is not exactly something that I would want hanging around. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, there's some disgusting details in the and like read tradition of change. If you if you haven't, I, I I print shop it and spiralize it and hand it to every single chief select every year. And I'm like, this is a document that does not leave your side. Like, you need to read this, understand it, it and we'll discuss it. But like, you need to keep this because you need to understand. Mm the origins and why things are the way they are now and why they continually evolve to, to professionalize and formalize the process. Um, but yeah, man, you wouldn't, most guys don't have it. Like you see, I don't think, uh, Mick Pond Hagen still ha- based on the quotes in the book. I, I want to say he threw his in the garbage and like, didn't even have it anymore because it was so gross. Like it was, Oh man, that's it. And that's, that's a sad commentary in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we have come a long way and for sure. Um, yeah. Once we've moved past that debauchery. Yeah. Uh, into, Fo- into focusing on what matter. it is now. <laughs> right. So I, I revere my charge book. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at it when I know results are coming up. Yep. Um, yep. I look at it sometimes on a, on a duty day when I've got, you know, it's, it's a quiet duty day, you know, like on a Sunday morning, I'll, I'll review it. Um, and I'll just go through and I'll remember like, you know, the conversations we had when I got those charges. And yeah. for me, it's a living document. Yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, I, I've tracked down charges from, from old mentors of mine as a chief already. Like, yeah. you know, no, I need, I need this information. I need something yep. from you. Yep. Um, you know, I, I get them from my friends, you know, a, a really good friend of mine sat down before he transferred from the, from my current command. And he says, Hey man, I, you know, I really trust you. Uh, I really respect you. Um, you happen to be a good friend of mine, but that's incidental. Um, could you could you put a charge in here and and give me your honest thought yeah. about how I'm doing and what's next? And I was like, yeah, I'd be honored to, man. You know, and when a friend of yours asks you to give them a charge as a pair of chiefs, like that's yeah. significant. Like yeah. that that is that is uh, that is a true sign of respect. 
to ask for one. Like I, I, I like that. Um, I like that very much. And it, it, it's, well, here's a phrase that a lot of you chief selects are going to hear. Um, it humbles you yeah. when a person that you respect asks you for your charge. Like, right. Oh, now I'm that guy. I'm one of those guys. I'm, yeah. I'm that guy now. You're like, Oh man, this is, this is a great experience. I like going through those things because there's earth changing perspective mm-hmm. in a lot of those things. Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, who was a, a senior chief who was selected for the senior um, enlisted leader program, um, made master chief, made CMC this year. Yeah. Um, and so when I saw his name on the CMC list, I went to my charge book and uh, I opened it up and the first line in his charge to me was congratulations on a very colorful 19 year career or 19 year journey. Don't ever be ashamed of how long the journey took you. Yeah. And from the outside looking in, there was a lot of embarrassment about making chief at 19 years. And, uh, I carried that embarrassment for a while. Yeah. All the way up until he wrote that in my charge book. That's awesome. And, and then I was like, oh, man, okay. And I, I, I thought I can quote it without even, I mean, yeah, I, I know it. Like, it's, it's, it's ingrained in the fiber of my being now. Never be embarrassed about how long that journey took you. And I was just like, okay, okay. And that was the reinvigoration I needed to, to get myself through the rest of season because that was, yeah. that was crucial to me. That, that made me feel whole again um, to, know that, <laughs> to know that he was an advocate for me during season and that he was proud of the, the, the adventure and the, the progress that I had made as a human being um, to get there. And I'm getting a little emotional. just Yeah, man, that. dude, but, I'm uh, getting emotional. thinking. <laughs> I'm getting emotional thinking about stuff in my book, right? Dude, I like it's a hundred percent a living document for me. Like it's, it's something that I update every year. Like generally what happens is, I'll collect a bunch of stuff. And I, right now I've got a stack of stuff right next to my b- vessel that needs to go in. Right. But uh, each year I'll, I'll update it and I'll, you know, like put everything on its page and stuff. But um, I've, I've been putting stuff in it every year. I've been a chief since 2011. Uh, Facebook was kind enough to remind me. I, I'm sure you probably saw that picture <laughs> uh, that it's been yeah. nine years uh, to the day almost that I was a chief select. So it, uh, uh, every year I've added something and it's the kind of stuff that's in there. Everybody thinks it's like all this super secret squirrel stuff and just a bunch of silliness, but it's like uh, it, a lot of it is, is it's not super secret squirrel. It's just private. It's there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, there's vulnerable moments, there's emotional things. Like I, when I get in my book, like I don't think I've ever not like had tears rolling down my face when I was done because there's stuff in there that, it was a moment where like I got to intervene or, or um, just like be what a sailor needed, you know? And it's like uh, the one, the story I tell the probably one of the most powerful things in my book is a thank you card from a, a school student. And I never even, she didn't even hand it to me. I didn't get to have a conversation with her ever. I couldn't pick her out of a lineup, but one of my chiefs, when I was the SEL from, from the a school came to me and said, Hey, I have this student. She got orders to Norfolk, but she's from San Diego and she's really upset about it. And I'm like, that happens every time we get a set of orders, like elaborate. What's yeah. the problem? 
that she said, well, she like broke down and was blubbering. And I sat her down and was like, what? It, like, you can't be this upset because you're going to Norfolk. And she's like, no, my mom is my family's from San Diego. My mom is there now and she's dying of cancer, has six months to live. And I, I really want to be close to my mom for that period of time. And so I looked at her. I'm like, okay, I don't I didn't talk to her. I wasn't there. I was like, I want you to walk out of here. Go vet this as best you can without being insensitive and then come back to me when you're satisfied. And if you come back to me and tell me to change these orders, then I will change these orders. And not even I, it wasn't even something I had control over. But like, I kind of I mean, I kind of did. So like sure. I, I was yeah. come back but, to know, me. I, kinda, yeah. know, I, I, I mean, I did. like I could I, I kind of did. I mean, like I would have went to my CMC and just brought Hellfire and Brimstone down on whoever I needed to. But I was I was going to get it done. So she comes back to me two hours later. and She's like, this is legit like this. I We need to get this changed. And I'm like, all right. So then I just went to work, man. And probably I think like an hour later, I called that chief back in my office. I'm like, it's done. She's going to San Diego, USS, whatever. Um, and that was it. That was like, the, she's like, all right, I'll let her know. And that was it. I, I didn't even think about it again. Like, I mean, I walked out of the office, like strutting a little bit that day, but then like, hell yeah, that, you did. but that was it. That was the last, that was the last I had thought I, the next day I wasn't thinking about it. Right. Um, and I don't remember how it was probably like a week later. Uh, it was a graduation day and we all go to graduation. We all do thing. Nobody came up and said anything to me. Nothing like that. I come into my office and there's a uh, thank you card on my desk and I open it up and it's, you know, just a, a, a two sentence thing from her, like profusely thanking me for intervening in that way, man. And I, I was, a, mm. I was ugly crying. dude. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> I was a hot mess because it just like, it just punched me right in the chest that like, holy crap, like I did that. And like, I got to be that person for that sailor in that moment. And like her chief did too, right? Her instructor, same thing got a thank you card on her desk and it's in her book and i man i just that's that's the stuff you know like i got a bunch of facebook's messages or like posts or whatever from students um just random stuff through the podcast and i i printed them out cut them out put them in the in my book that it's just like the it's a it's a reminder when i flip through it of like okay this is why i do this and like this is why I'm willing to sacrifice time and sleep and go through pain and like um, do all this. That's why I answer the question. I'm, I'm afraid of missing that message. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I get it, man. Yeah. I love it. And, and it's, it's a cool thing too to share it with selectees. Like I get to, to show them like, look, this is, this is what it's all about this. And it's like, if you're not, treating it as a living document it's hard to be able to do that like you can give them an example of what they're required to build in accordance with their orders but like like flip through my book look at it and i don't even need to explain it like just this is what it's about and just let them digest that you know what we have at um at amphibious construction battalion one is we have a a gorgeous gorgeous vessel Mm. um that was uh, designed and built you know, using wood, uh, teak wood from the USS Iowa, the battleship Iowa. Nice. Um, and the, the charge book inside is this gorgeous leather bound book. I mean, it's a book, it's a volume. Yeah. Um, and we invite every chief that's transferring from the command to give the mess their charge. That is so cool. And, and that is amazing. I'm writing that down. Yeah. And you can tell by the ones who actually took the time to put their charges in there. Yeah. Who gave a damn. 
Yeah. Who gave a damn? You know, did you did you really come here with the intention of making people's lives better and to make this place truly a, a, a place where sailors want to come to work? Or did you just do the thing? And that was a wrap. Yeah. Because um, if you put the time in and you ground it out, you're, I guarantee you, to a man, their charge is in that book. And that tells you everything you need to know about who was worth their salt while they were there. I am stealing this idea so hard if I'm ever a cob, dude, especially if it's a boat that has like a namesake that I can get wood from. Oh, that'd be so cool, dude. Like if I can make that happen for a submarine out here, I'm I'm a thousand percent doing it. That's incredible. You I, must. I Absolutely. love that idea. Well, you know what, too? I want to speaking of the charge book, there is a another component to that, and that is um, I want to remake my vessel yeah um you know i made mine we were underway obviously supplies were yeah what they were but now i don't want to make it more elaborate that's not right where i'm going with that you know there's like i said the dignity of simplicity but there are, there are a couple of things that i want to do to it that are that are more me that are more subtle to, to the way i would want it yeah. um a sort of you know elegant approach to these things um to really kind of reinvigorate the nature of my career as a sailor and what being a sailor uh, means to me. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting too, in that, as I've talked about that, as I've mentioned remaking my, my vessel, I've heard a lot of other chiefs say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that as well. And I wonder if that's a byproduct of the season and some of the things that um, we expected them during the season or if they just oh, if they never thought about it because it was always just a sacrosanct thing, and you just left it alone, yeah, you know, for good or worse. I, I, I mine is uh, is kind of odd just because. So like we were deployed for all but the last three days, so we didn't get to oh, build dear. a vessel. There was actually a group of slucks on the beach that were supposed to do it for us, and they didn't. Um, probably just poor communication or whatever. But um, so the next sure. the next year, uh the selectees i paid them a hundred bucks plus the cost of materials to build me a vessel and it's sick and it's like it's the group of selectees that did it for me i want to say it was the year after it might have been two years after because i was running the season and i was it turned into i was also basically all of their sponsor like there was like five of them and they still like i run into them today and it's just like they were like really close as a result of that it was just like the guys that got designated as sponsors by the Cobb didn't want to be sponsors. And it just, it pretty much ended up being me for everybody. And it was like, we we're in the shipyard. I galley was shut down. I had the bandwidth to do it and I loved every second of it. So I didn't really care, right. but like um, those guys built me the vessel. So it's almost like if I did it, I, I want to like either use or incorporate the same wood and all that stuff. Cause they did a pretty yeah. great job. I'm not mad about it. Like I was really happy with it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't see, I think it's all kind of like a, it, there's an evolution to it all, just like your career. And so I just like, I don't have any problem with it. And I think everybody, if they don't have a vessel, they should build one. And I don't even care if you're retired and you waited this long, like, just do it, man. Like who cares? It's like, I, uh, I had this chief that we, you know, there are all the rules that are in the instructions about what, like you're allowed, to, like who's allowed to sign your book. What are they allowed? What page? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like the, <laughs> I, we were like asking all these crazy questions because like people had like an LDO that like, well, he used to be a chief. Can he sign my book? And the, and he just kept looking. He's like, whose book is it? 
is is it your book okay so if it's your book and like who's got to live the rest of their life with this book whose book is whose shelf is it going to be on for forever who at when they're 70 years old is going to be cracking open this book and, and going back and looking at all the stuff in it and showing their grandkids so just it's your book just do it like just get if you want them to sign your book what's the worst that could happen you do a bunch of air squats like who cares it's your book man just get like do whatever you want with it so I, I paid the price because uh, my bosun's signature appeared in there. <laughs> yeah. And and they're like, well, wh- what was your rationale behind that? And I was like, I'm a bosun's mate. He's the bosun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your CO we, sign in the last page at the end. It's like kind of, it's a right. similar concept. Yeah. Like I, I, we literally take our rate's name from him. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's relevant and yeah. so yeah he's, especially yeah, he's going in there i would say especially to your community in in particular like i would think that that oh, would yeah. be a big thing like yeah like yeah both the sign of my book like fight me I, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly like, uh, <laughs> nope this, i will die on this hill yeah you know, we're doing yeah. this um you know and that it, it's so it's so fun to me and i've seen some absolutely beautiful charge books yeah and but the contents um, are trash. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I see. You put you put more time in the, the ceremony of being a chief. Um, than, oh, there's than the, being a chief. Yeah, people that are more concerned with what all those chiefs think during the process of initiation. Right. Like they're trying right. to be super chief, so, super select. And it's, it's just like, yeah. I, like, I get it. I felt that pressure, too. So, like, I, I don't want to, like... Yeah. I don't want to like want it to seem like I'm I'm like crapping on those dudes, but like like or those selects rather. Um, You're right, but that's not what it's about, and it's hard to see that in the moment. That's why I have all those initiation chronicles episodes, and I'm going to repost them all through the season. But mm. um, it's I, to try to like pull some of that shroud back and make them understand it while oh, 100%, while yeah. they're in it. Well, so for all you chief select out there. Um, if you're listening to this, there's something that I want to share with you that comes from the Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai, um, which you can definitely take a lot of leadership lessons from that and the Godfather. Um, At the beginning of the film, we meet the head of the Seven Samurai, the guy who goes and rounds up the other six Samurai to defend this village from from these bandits. And when we meet him, um, he is ceremonially removing his top knot, the, the symbol that identifies him to the world at large as a samurai. He is removing this because he is going to infiltrate um, a monastery. So he has to go undercover as a monk. Yeah. Um, and so he's shaving his head in the shape of, you know, like, like a monk's haircut. Right. And uh, the passerby asks him, oh my God, what are you doing? Because this is this is sacrilege. Right. You, you're, you're removing your top knot, the thing that you trained for years to have. And his response is, is it better to do the work of a samurai or to simply appear to be a samurai? Ooh, Ooh I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And that's the, I was, I forget who I was talking to, but there was this meme going around and it was in relation to like, like the shiny, uh, the shiny squared away sailor that has like shiny boots and a fresh haircut and a crispy uniform. And it's like, it was a bunch of, right. it was a bunch of sharpened pencils. And then one that was like all beat up and used up and nu- a nubby, not sharp lead on it and stuff. And it's, it, it had a <laughs> quote, 
had a quote similar to that conceptually, like basically like, you know, just because it looks nice doesn't mean that it's putting in the same work as everyone else or whatever. And yeah, like I, mm-hmm. I love that concept because for a long time, people gave me a hard time about having shiny boots and being that guy. But it was like, I, you know, go ahead and question my work ethic. Come, come by my work yeah, center. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Like um, come by during the stores load, bro. So the, the last thing I want to add, um, is, uh, one of my mentors is uh, master chief Misty Flynn and, um, she's, she's a warrior. Um, her take on this is, impossibly hard life-changing shirt everything else (laughs) is just a t-shirt yeah and she's on the money everything else is just a t-shirt man and you know when when we go through season everyone's all hype about t-shirts this and i was like no one's life has ever been changed because of a t-shirt yeah If, if, if we're we're seriously debating right now what motivational speech or or keywords and phrases we're going to slap on the back of this shirt to make ourselves feel better about season. You know what I need? I need an anchor and, a, and the word chief. Yeah, done. Done. <laughs> I don't care what color, you know, yeah. give me, give me navy blue. Give me gold. I don't care. Yeah. But give me an anchor. That's all I need. Just an anchor. Yeah. One, just one. I don't need them all. I don't need, no, just <laughs> don't need skulls. I don't, I don't need all that. Like, no, just, God, just, no, yeah. I, I don't need some phrase, you know, just, you know, go chief. Yeah. Bam. Done initiated and proud something i don't know whatever but i don't need yeah. some motivational phrase i don't need some oorah nonsense look man i know uh, i'm scraping the skull sticker off of people's windows uh and and i'm getting back to chafing because that's what this is about i don't want to just appear to be a chief i want to do the damn work yeah I mean, I, I spent this long trying to get there. Why not just do the work? Right. You know, I, and, then, and then you get to re- reap those benefits. Right. That's ex- of, you st- of, of people leaving you beautiful cars yep. that make you ugly cry. Yep. And, <laughs> Took know? the words right out of my mouth, man. Like, yeah, doing the work is what gets you the the real rewards, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I got one more thing to read and then we can wrap up, man. Uh, so. All right. For the charge book, so it's the slide says what it's not a congratulatory book nor a book for unprofessional comments. What it is, the charge book is perhaps the singularly most important piece of initiation. So singular, most important piece of initiation. Uh, The time honored tradition of passing knowledge to our relief through the charge book has been around for many years. It is one of our primary tools and should be at the forefront of day to day training and to network chief petty officers around the world and chiefs past and present. Charges in our charge book should enable a sit-down conversation between chief and first-class petty officer relating to effective leadership, expectations, responsibilities, and learning experiences. And I'm going to add the caveat that the world we live in right now might complicate the sit-down conversation part. Do not let that stop you from getting charges, right? That's email people, Zoom people, text people, message people, whatever. Like, yes, primary mode for delivery should be a sit down conversation. However, the world we live in may not allow that to happen in, in the way that we would like it to, especially when this was written. Right. So this was, this was written back when COVID wasn't a thing. So do not let that stop you from getting those charges. If we got a Skype or, or Facebook video call each other or what a stand six feet apart, I, whatever, man, like sit, sit a table across from me at wherever we're going to go and sit down and we'll figure it out. But, um, yeah, huh. don't don't allow those obstacles to get in the way of you getting those charges because those interactions and the the wisdom that's shared during those interactions, however they happen, 
that's the important stuff. Uh, and that's what you're crucial. That's what you're mission critical, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, save rounds or alibis. I think that every adult, uh, especially those of us who wear the uniform requires at least two mentors in addition to all their other mentors. And these are two very specific ones. One is your arch rival. (laughs) The other is your nemesis. Yeah. And you need them. And when I'm talking arch rival, I'm thinking like bird and magic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, They go out and win an MVP. You go out and win an MVP and then a finals MVP. And then you (laughs) go like, okay, so you're going back and forth and back and forth. Okay. You want a champion. Now I want a title, you know, and it's that, that, professional rivalry that makes you the best version of you yeah right now i understand that there's a great argument to be made for internal motivation i don't need the external middle finger but sometimes i like it i i, I am yeah it doesn't i hurt. like oppositional <laughs> provocation i like oppositional provocation but you also need a nemesis and your nemesis is the person who's always three four five steps ahead of you yeah your your nemesis is the senior chief that when you were a first class just never let up on you. Yep. <laughs> um you 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 had you had a good morning and then you know you go into their afternoon and they're like, Oh, that's that's great. You did this and that yeah. and the thing, and those were those were all great products and this project finished up wonderfully. But this is late, this is overdue, this needs rework, yeah. this looks like boiled garbage. I don't even know why you're in my office having this conversation. You should be out working right now. Uh, and you're like, Oh, Okay. Uh, so the moment's over. Now I got to yeah. go do my thing. <laughs> yep. And uh, what I found was when you have that nemesis, and, and not in a combative way, but right. when you have that nemesis, it drives you yeah. to a new place. For sure. It takes you to another level. It makes you want to get better or it makes you want to go home. Yeah. And the ones that rise up to that challenge, the ones that actively seek out um, a, a nemesis and the ones that actually have an arch rival are the people that I want with me because that means they like the spirit of it i i don't mind the conflict i i I think that means that i have two people that actually care about something so that's a key indicator to me that you give a damn i like that i like the motivation that gives me and those people have prominent places in my charge book for sure because they're not going to give me that congratulatory Right. Nonsense. Congratulatory. They're welcome. Not welcome to the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Way to, way to give me something uninspired and, and boring. And cool. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. The canned. Yeah. They're actually going to charge me with lead, guide, mentor. Yeah. Be the example. You know, don't be afraid to go get into a fight because your anchors were pinned on you and it takes an act of Congress to take them off. And, well, Congress is Congress. Yeah. So go get into it. Yeah. You know, go advocate, do these things because that's what we need. This is not going to pat you on your back. You've arrived. Now you can, oh, you did all the work. Now you're a chief. You're good to go. Yep. No, man. Now the real work begins. For sure. Yeah, dude. You're, I, you're a made man now. It's time to go to work. Every that's charge book entry I've ever written says that your sailors are absolutely entitled to the best pop possible chief that you have in you. And it's, I used, I underlined the word entitled. Like there is, there's no earning that like the day they put a Navy ball cap on, they've, they earned it. Like the, it's already there. Like they are entitled That's real. to you being the best That's, possible chief I'm, you I'm can be. Do it, do I'm it. Steal that. Um, Cause it, it like, I think, I think a lot of times that gets lost in the sauce. So yeah, man, I, I think that the charge book piece, especially like 
take that piece seriously and, and make sure you take the time to to garner all the knowledge you possibly can from those interactions because that's the point to give you those resources and give you those perspectives. Um, hey, thanks for doing this, man. As always, I, I love pleasure. Love Thank you for reaching out, man. Yeah, man, love talking to you. This was a perfect one for you too. I, like I immediately, it was, it was when I decided to do this. There was like five of them that I immediately put names on, and this was one of them. So, yeah, well, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad to be, I'm glad to be on that elite company, man. That, that, yeah. That's a warm feeling. Thank you. Yeah, Thank man, you. I appreciate that. I learn, I learn new things from you every time we talk, man. And it's, it's, it's a valuable experience for me too. Yeah. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I did. I love talking to Jason. Uh, it's always an incredibly interesting thing where we both learn something. I'm really happy with the product that we got. By it, this was the one of the, this was the first one I edited, and so I'm just pumped at uh, the product, and I'm really excited to get this out to you all as soon as humanly possible. As always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit at D podcast or get on the sub D podcast and discuss, uh, re- like, like, share reviews, all the things on all the platforms for podcasts and social media it just helps get the word out. And then also just provide feedback, please. Uh, especially on this. This is something that I definitely want to hear from you all on uh, and get uh, feedback on as far as like what, what we did well, what we could do better next time, uh, how to improve upon this in the future, uh, and if you got anything out of it. it. It always helps to hear from you, and I'm really appreciative when I do. Uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't give up the ship. Thank you.